Hello there, I'm Steve Lysett from Sumo Digital. You may know me from such games as All-Star Racing Transformed, OutRun 2 and Sega Superstars Tennis. You are listening to the Sega Lounge. Welcome to the Sega Lounge, where we celebrate our love for all things Sega, including the games, the music, and the community. I'm your host, KC. Join me as I talk to different guests and learn more about their projects and passion for Sega. Welcome back to the Sega Lounge. I hope you guys enjoyed last episode's roundtable, which was dedicated to Sonic Frontiers, and also the first of that kind of show that we had this season. More to come on that style very soon. If you missed it, check it out at thesegalounge.com. This week, though, we're back to the interview swing of things with a very, very special guest, who I'm sure everyone will love getting to know a bit more. Who is it? Let's find out. I'm really excited here. It's Steve Lysett, guys. Steve Lysett is here. This week's guest is the legendary Steve Lysett, executive producer at Subo Digital, and the face that the Sega community got to know throughout the All-Stars years. Steve and his team worked on such iconic titles as the Arcade 2 Xbox conversion of OutRun 2, OutRun 2006 Coast to Coast, Sega Superstar Tennis, Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing, and of course, one of the games I own more versions of that I can ever play, Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. I got the chance to have a very nice chat with Steve, get to know a bit more about his start in the industry, and hear some behind-the-scenes stories of his work on the aforementioned Sega games. Enjoy! Hello Steve, welcome to the Sega Lounge. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. <laughs> My pleasure to have you. Proper legend, Steve Lysett. It's really, really nice to have you on the show to talk a little bit about your, your background with games and the industry. But Steve, usually I like to start from the very beginning. Uh, and usually <laughs> when someone gets to working with in, in video games and in the industry, there's a reason behind it. So how did you actually get into video games as a gamer, first of all, how did you discover games and what impact did they have on your life? Wow, okay. So <laughs> that's an easy one to start with then. Uh, so <laughs> funnily enough, because I've, I've been doing a bunch of questions for Sumo stuff we're doing, because Sumo's 20 years old, just to kind of explain it. Uh, and they asked me a very similar question. So when I look back, uh, my, my first formative memories of computer games because i am ancient i am so old uh, my dad built a zx81 which is a uh, was a computer in the uk uh, you could buy in a kit form or you could buy ready assembled can you imagine that uh, but my dad was a tinkerer he liked to mess with electronics and he, he bought this thing as a kit and he built it now for my dad the interest in the computer ended there because he'd made this thing and as far as he was concerned, he built it, it worked, and that was the end of it. He wasn't really bothered with it, so he kind of gave it to the kids. So I, I got it because I was the oldest. Uh, but for me, 
like all of a sudden was this thing I could plug into a TV and I could type on it and it did stuff on screen and I could get it to do the kind of things I wanted it to do. Or like, you know, it was like I made a, a program for my club, <laughs> my friends, so we could tell each other secret passwords. And then one day he came back with a, an extra RAM pack, 16K of memory, and he bought a game and he bought QS Scramble. So Scramble, the famous Konami arcade game, of course. This was some not official conversion. <laughs> and it was it was amazing because it had scrolling. So you had a ship which went across the screen and you could both move and shoot at the same time. Uh, and at that point, I think I was hooked. Uh, I saw that and I just wanted to make versions of that game. And that's what I did. I, I messed around with that. I learned a little bit of machine code. Uh, I did a lot of basic programming. It got upgraded because my dad saw I was interested in it. So we got to a ZX Spectrum, which became an Amiga. And then I got games consoles as I got older. And I've just followed it from there. So basically, it's all my dad's fault. <laughs> okay. Let's blame your dad then. Okay. Yep. It's my dad's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so always from the perspective, or not always, but at least from the very start, from the perspective also of a, of a programmer as well as a, of a creator, uh, in a way. Bit, uh, and I think that's it. it. It tapped into. I'm not very artistic. I I, mm-hmm. I would love to be able to play a guitar or ukulele. I'm trying to learn the thing, but I am fairly scientific. So programming was like a language where I could type this thing and it would do something I wanted it to do, and it was logical. It had rules around. It. It's like mathematics. You can learn it, mm-hmm. and I found that fascinating. And I don't program today. I don't because I can't program to the level the guys who work with me work at. They are geniuses. There's no there's no two questions about it. But I know enough about it to be dangerous. So, you know, equally, you know, if somebody goes, oh, this is impossible, I'm going to go, well, actually, no. If we break it down, we could do it like this. And they're like, oh, he knows a little bit about this. Damn. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's been useful. It's always been there, that kind of scientific interest. But you can mm-hmm. be super creative with it. So being creative in a way which doesn't need you to be artistic, what, what a gift. So, so yeah. Yeah. Makes Definitely sense. From that angle. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay. And uh, as we know, you... Uh, have worked on several Sega related or even Sega IPs or related IPs. Uh, was there a, like a, a big relationship between you and Sega as a gamer before that all of that happened? Well, I mean, so the interesting thing was as a, as a kid, I tend to have Nintendo systems, which really upsets people when people they talk about it. And if you ask me my favorite console of all time, I would probably say PC Engine of all okay. things because of the CD-ROM. Mm-hmm. But I had a massive upbringing with Sega. My friend had a Mega Drive. He imported it. Um, and both of us ended up working in a, in, a, in a software shop, a game shop in town called Just Micro. And so imagine a kid obsessed with games let loose in a shop with all the games you could ever want, you could play in between dealing with customers. So it was like it was perfect for me. So we had the Mega Drive, we had the Master System. These were permanently set up. So at any mm-hmm. time, I could just literally play any game I wanted to. And what that did, unknowingly for me, is it built this library in my head of all the kind of classic Sega stuff from the kind of console era. And around that time, of course, you know, Sega were absolutely massive in the arcades. So. Mm-hmm. I still maintain my holy trinity of Sega. <laughs> the whole Yu Suzuki games is Space Alia, Super Hang On, Afterburner. You know, you look at all those things. Outrun, again, one of my favorite games of all time. So I knew Sega from the arcades, but then I learned Sega on the consoles. Okay. And because you could play those games on the consoles and you know, to various qualities, I grew up with this stuff and it just seeped in. 
you know, I, I worry sometimes that the amount of noise I've got playing games and learning games is it's going to fill my brain up and I'm going to forget something important. <laughs> but, but, you know, that, that's how it started. So, you know, I like... Okay. I tinkered with it. I played with it. I, it became a career almost because I worked in a mm-hmm. shop with it and it just went downhill from there, I think. <laughs> so how did you go from working in a shop to working in the actual industry? Well, the, the interesting thing about Just Micro was um, it's actually quite famous in, in the UK because the guy who set Just Micro up recognized in the shop people were coming in who were looking at games and saying, I could do better than that. And he took a bit of a punt and he created a firm called Gremlin Graphics and he basically hired some of those kids to make early computer games. And and it's people, you know, many gamers might be respectful. So, you know, Tony Crowther, you'll hear Peter Harrop. Um, These are guys who still work with me today, which is kind of nice. And so he made this software company off the back of the shop and then he moved into that. The shop was still a going concern. And it was like a, almost like a, I don't want to say recruiting ground, but it was like an interesting place for them, for him to demonstrate software, which then pulled in more people, which grew and grew this company. So I started Just Micro, I think I was a Saturday lad in the bow, 1989 or something like that, around about when the Game Boy came out. And I knew this company was upstairs, but never really had many dealings with it. We used to do their mail order. So if somebody ordered the game from Gremlin, the order would come down to us. We put it in the bag. We post it off. If somebody wanted to buy a Gremlin game, we bought them from upstairs. It was much easier than trying to buy it from a distributor. Yeah. You know, it was it was a ready-made asset. Eventually, Ian sold the shop off. I stayed with the shop, and Gremlin became Gremlin Interactive. Mm-hmm. And many years later, uh, one of the guys I worked in the shop with was actually working in the games company. I, I bumped into him in town, and he said, "Oh, they're looking for they're looking for people to come and work at the company. Would you be interested?" I'm like. What do you do? He says, well, I sit and play games all day and get paid for it. I'm like, why would you think I wouldn't be interested? <laughs> and so I started at Gremlin in 97 as a games tester. And, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what I started. And I think anybody who's interested in gaming industry, I think it's still a valid path because when you work as a games tester, you see common mistakes that development make, you know, ways you design an interface or way the game works which breaks and it teaches you a lot of things not to do later mm-hmm. on when you're in charge of making games. So it was almost like, if you think about it, tinkling by myself, my dad gave me the first step. I worked at the game shop and learned a lot about games there. So that's kind of the next step up. I started then as a games tester. So I was getting educated into how to make games over the course of my lifetime and never realizing it. <laughs> so so I've been very, very lucky with that. And, and at Gremlin, you know, I stayed there. And I worked up from games tester to, I was head of QA, I was QA manager for mm-hmm. a while. And then the guys I really recognized who I loved working with were the producers. Now the producers is like, is a person who looks after the team of people. Normally they get given a bunch of time, a bunch of money, work out what you need, go and make a game, you're responsible for it. But what I saw in that was they're kind of like a, circus ringleaders so they've got all these people who are really talented and they kind of corral them along and they sit down and work the problems through with the programmers and the artists the designers and the audio people and they basically work with that team to create these amazing things but because you're right at the middle of it you've got like an enormous influence over it so if you want to push it in a certain direction as long as you're good at convincing people to stick some silly things in levels Then you can basically get away with it. So, you know, you still got to worry about the business. You still got to worry about the time and money. But that was the job I wanted, and I, okay. and I realized that fairly quickly when I worked at Gremlin. 
And so I pushed and pushed and pushed until I got it. Um, and that's really, I've stayed around that sort of role position now for many, many years. I've just taken a step into more senior management. Um, but that for me, what a what a dream come true. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> and again, it's, look, just that, if I had to bump into that guy on the street on that date, it would never have happened. It, sometimes it's about who you know, the situation which happens. It's, it's just more luck than judgment. But yeah. Very true, very true. Yeah. I, I, and I had no idea that was like there was a, a relationship between Gremlin Interactive, how I knew them, and uh, like a, a, a video games shop. And that's the madness of it. Is you can see how it's got out of control. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, excellent. And that was a very good explanation of what a producer actually is. Oh, good. I'm you know, from uh, throughout the years, I've interviewed many people who have been producers in games, and they always struggle to explain what a producer does because I think there's uh, there there are many things right that a producer it, yeah, does. It, many things involved in the role, but that I think is the perfect explanation. It's it, it, in it, the I, middle I, of it. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> yeah. you are. You're, you're in the middle of it, and it, and it's. <laughs> One of the conversations I have a lot with people is I have to remind people that production is a support role. It's not about being in charge. It's not mm -hmm. about, you are nominally in charge. You know, you have to make a final decision and stuff and, you know, you make some big decisions. But it's working with the talented people that you've got. If you can't, if the designers can't express an idea to the code team and the code team can build it, the game doesn't get made. If the code team can't make something happen for a technical reason, we can't solve it. We can't deliver the design vision. If the art team uses too many polygons, it runs terribly and it looks awful. So trying to coordinate it, like like a somebody orchestra, running an orchestra, a conductor, mm -hmm. that is broadly what it is. You you basically you you help people, you convince people. Sometimes you're the team dad or mum. If somebody needs, they've got a per a number of times like you you help people because they've got a situation in their personal life and they need mm -hmm. time off or they need a bit of advice, and you become the person they come to and look to and trust. So you've got to be a bit of everything. It's really, mm -hmm. I can't, I can't express that. Again, I'm the oldest of three brothers, and the fact that I used to have to look after those idiots <laughs> has helped me so much in my life <laughs> because it's it's helped me be patient and understanding mm -hmm. and to be able to sit down with somebody and go like, okay, what you're doing is not bad, but it's not working. Can I suggest we try this instead, or you know, help them along? So. All my life I've been preparing for this randomly. That's that's true. In, in one way or another, everything led to this moment, to yes. this role, right? Yeah. And it's nice that you mentioned that, like the people skills involved because it's not something easy to, to do if you're not if you're not good at dealing with people. Yeah, maybe it, being a producer is not for you. It, I feel. It depends, again, don't, it depends on your style, it maybe. It doesn't have to be everybody's yeah. way, but we... Producers come in different flavors, so you might mm -hmm. have somebody who's more led by the data. How many bugs have we got? How many tasks have we got? Are we before or behind the data? You need to have a little bit of that, but some people specialize in that. And I can tell you, some of those people are not interesting people. <laughs> 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 Sometimes it's the other way. You have people who are really good at managing people, but they're not they're not super computer literate. They, they, they're like, mm -hmm. They'll try and write a plan or put it in Excel, and you just go, oh, that's awful. But they are great at managing people, then they get results out of standing in stand-ups or scrums or whatever it turns out to be. Everybody's different. You've got to find mm -hmm. a way which works for you. So again, when I've got a production team of multiple people, I try and look and find out what's the good at and use them for that. And if they're bad at it, help them out a little bit, try and train them, but you know, push them away from it as well. So okay. 
it's very much people management. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. Okay. So you mentioned uh, Sumo Digital turns 20 this year, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think you've been there since the very beginning. Or uh, almost. Very almost. almost. So I, I missed it by a month. Uh, okay. So so what happened is, that, so this is, the, this is the history. So Gremlin was a big firm. It was well-beast and all the rest of it. It was uh, bought by Infograms, who became mm -hmm. Atari. We, we became from Gremlin Interactive to Infogram Sheffield House. Um, there I did two games. As a producer, I did Wacky Races <laughs> on PS2, and I did uh, Superman Shadow of Apocalypse. There's an interesting video game yeah. choice. You make a video game where the main character's invincible. Okay, good luck <laughs> with that. Um, so we had fun with that. And then, basically, they, they chose to close Sheffield down. They mm -hmm. expanded rapidly, and they were trying to just you know, make uh, more thing. I think they were pulling back more towards France. They got Operations America, you know, we were seen as surplus to requirement. Now, mm. that was sad, but what happened was, is it led to the creation of Sumo. So that was good. So think off the top of my head, I think 12 staff with the, the founders of Sumo went and said, we can probably still make video games. There's a market for this. Set up by themselves. And a month into it, they gave me a call and said, we could do with some help. We need to send somebody up north to go and work with uh, Revolution Software. They're trying to get Broken Sword free done. They've got to deal with memory cards and controllers being pulled out. You're an expert in QA, but also if you do that, there might be a production gig afterwards. Are you interested? So I took I took a chance on it and it worked out all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 20 years later, I'm still here. So okay. back then, I think, you know, Sumo started, we'd done a bit of work consultancy. We helped Broken Sword out. We helped out uh, Codemasters on England International Soccer. We did the online mm -hmm. multiplayer for that on Xbox Live, which turned out to be really important because Microsoft were approached by Sega um, and they said, we want to convert OutRun 2. We're looking for people out there, you know, who you would recommend. And they said, well, what are you trying to do? And they went, we think we need to add online to it. You should talk to Sumo. Okay. Um, and I think at that point, we, we got OutRun 2. And very shortly after, we ended up working with Codemasters on Toka Race Driver 2 for PSP almost at the same time. And those two games basically rocketed us and got us going. And we had to expand relatively quickly to bring people in to make those two games. So yeah, that that was the start of the Sega relationship, and, and what a way to start it with Outrun Two. Yeah, definitely. What was it like for you? You said Outrun was one of your favorite games in the arcades as well, right? Oh well, it was. so here's the madness of it. So I've been following Outrun Two's development on various arcade websites because I knew it was coming out in the arcades, and I had no idea that we were pitching to do it. Um, apparently, and I, I don't know how true this is, so take this with a pinch of salt. Um, Sega had approached not just us, but a few other places. And I know this because Gareth Wilson, who was the lead designer on uh, Sonic Racing Transformed, mm -hmm. used to work for Bizarre Creations. And apparently Bizarre okay. Creations also pitched for it. Interesting. Now, what it swung it for us, at least as far as we we think, we're not certain about this, is everybody else at the time, it was all into the kind of need for speed stuff for car modding, so they were bolting on spoilers and they were trying to make it all about modifications. Where what we did is we looked and went, this is great. So what we need to do is preserve it, <laughs> make sure it is, uh, you know, authentic to the arcade version. Mm -hmm. But we also respect it's going to be 40 quid. So we've got to make sure there's like good value for money. So we added the online modes. We added the, uh, you know, the kind of adventure modes. You go through collecting the cards. We did all that to kind of bulk it out a bit. So it wasn't just five minutes of playing, you're done and dusted. There's actually a mm -hmm. lot of stuff to do and engage with. 
Um, and that apparently won us the pitch because AM2 took a look and went, these guys get it, they respect it, give them the gig. And so off we went. And they told us, they told us in the office, we've got run two, just completely out of the blue. And I went, what? Because <laughs> I just, I'd listened about an hour before going, look, that one two looks great. I'm looking forward to that one too. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to convert this. What? what? So it was quite a moment because again, at that time there were 14 of us, I think, in the office. I was in player number 14. And it was just completely out of the blue. And we were so excited. The very next thing we saw was them wheeling the arcade machine into the office. So like before we touched anything, before we got code, it's like, right, let's do some research. We'll spend, I'm getting paid to sit and play Outrun 2. Yes, oh, Re- research. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's what we did. We all tried to beat each other's times on uh, on time trials. So just great fun. So yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So that's a very, that, that must have been a, a very fun gig. I, have, oh, I, God, I yeah. assume. Well, it, it was, but again, you, you've got to remember, this is a new company. We're, we're mm-hmm. sort of unproven. We've never done a full game conversion. So there was quite a lot of pressure on us to kind of deliver yeah. that. Uh, the time frames, I think we had to get it done, dusted and out in six months. Uh, again, because Sega were keen to get it out to market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we got the source code. So when we got this, so we got all the assets, we got everything. The problem was the original arcade machine runs on the Chihiro board. It's 128 megabytes. Maybe it's twice the memory of an Xbox. So instantly we've got to halve everything to make it fit. Then internet, online infrastructure, it's not as it is today. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. really made an online game. Xbox Live was new. We'd done it for England International Football, so we had to hack it in. There was network play in the arcade game, but we've got to get that working as well. Mm-hmm. Then it's got to load off a very slow hard drive rather than from RAM because the, the arcade version, it was all in RAM. It was loaded up and permanently on there, so super mm-hmm. instant access. So daft things, like you drive through the junction and the level has to load while you're driving through that the bunk of the junction thing. Um, and sometimes, of course, you get to the end, it hasn't loaded. In fact, that was quite frequent in the early days. So you just run into a brick wall, the time is going down, and then eventually the level will pop up and then you can continue. <laughs> so we had to do a lot of stuff to kind of sort that out. The source code was in Japanese. Now, these days, you would probably just run it through Google Translate, but Google Translate didn't exist. So we had to find, we found an online web translation service and then got kicked off it because we munged all the source code comments, pushed them through and then pulled them back out. And we, we went over their limit. Oh. Uh, so there were lots of challenges doing it and in kind of six months, but do it, we did, you know, we, we pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like to think we did a pretty good job of it. So I think that I think then so. put us on the map because people saw that, saw what we could do, and that opened up not just more work with Sega, but with other publishers. And we started to get people coming to us, interesting working with us because of the mm-hmm. quality we'd done on, on Outrun. Uh, and again, it sort of ballooned from there. So, yeah, I and I, I, I kind of think I think that's that's a little bit like what you say. It's it, sumo is synonymous with quality. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we we. Everyone kind of associates Sumo with a good a good game, whatever it is, right? No, that's that's good. We 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 try our best to think about the player. Mm-hmm. Obviously, our client is the customer; it's the publisher who's making the paying us to make the game. But we've we've always tried to do this, and I think this is what sets us apart. Is we go, if I were to buy this and I was to play this, how would I feel about it? Am, am I gonna am I gonna be happy about it? Now, making games is hard. Don't don't, don't let me get this undersell this in any way because you might have a vision of what you want to do and trying to make that happen is hard because you've got the technical challenge of just making it work you've got the design challenge of trying to explain that design to the people making the game and all the rest Mm -hmm. of it so i can see uh, many people set out with the best intentions to make something great 
and struggle because it, it's difficult. The benefit that Sim always had was the people who started that company had already gone through that struggle for, you know, nigh on 20 years. Um, so with a lot of experience came into the company and we obviously took the best people we could at the start who were willing to come and form it. And we've tried to keep that mindset all the way through. But thinking about the player is always like really important to us. You know, I laugh at the Sega. Any game I've ever been involved in, watch it. It's the very end. It always ends with a thanks for playing because it's just a little message like you've got this for, you've played all the way through this. Thank you. We made this for you and we hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that is kind of our ethos and I hope that does come through. Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. Yeah. And so speaking of not just Outrun, but maybe carrying it out to all the other Sega and not just Sega, but mostly Sega, how <laughs> hands-on were they in terms of the work that you did for them? It's Well, it's when the game boots up Outrun, the, the first thing you see is it's in Sumo Digital in collaboration with Sega or Sega mm -hmm. in collaboration with Sumo Digital. And, that, and it's been a partnership. We work very, very close with M2. The producer flew out, Minato-san, he sat with us in the office. He was in the office like 12 hours a day and just making sure stuff was done. He helped us with translations. He helped us talk to people in AM2. So they had started the controller support. They had very definite views about it, how tight the steering needed to be, but they didn't have time to finish it. So again, we worked with them, and language differences slightly problematic. We worked with them to get it kind of sorted out. And we, we just basically made sure that at all steps, they understood that we respected what they made and we wanted to be authentic to it. So it's been hands-on like that for every project. With Outrun, it was AM2. When we started the virtual tennis, it was working with AM3. We got people again. Mm -hmm. We went out to Japan. We explained what we did, what we wanted to do. They came and helped us. And, you know, if you look at it, it went Outrun, virtual tennis. We did virtual tennis on... Um, PSP, and then we did Outrun 2006. We went back to AM2, and we did that, and then we went back to AM3 and did virtual tennis, and then that—that's really the point where the doors opened to a lot mm -hmm. more of Sega, because they'd seen this kind of collaboration going off between the Outrun games and the virtual tennis games, and they kind of wanted a Sonic game with tennis. And we, we, I think what we've done hilariously, we put a big head cheat in for. Tim Hemman in virtual tennis with this massive head. Somebody had seen it went, what if that was Sonic? And we're like, ooh. And that became the thing. So so because we'd shown that degree of respect on authenticity, we would allow then to explore kind of different properties and Sonic was natural. But, you know, I like to think that if you've got Sonic in a game, you need to balance it out. If you're all Sonic, that's fine if it's a very Sonic-focused title, but there's so many great Sega IPs you want to explore. So you Space Channel 5, we've got Golden Axe, you know, you can reel them off like no trouble. And for me, an ensemble cast was kind of interesting, and they wanted to do that too. And so what happens is, and this is this is unique to Sega, I think, if you work at Sega and you create a, a, one of their franchises, be a character, a game, or whatever it turns out to be, the director, the, the owner of the franchise, becomes the, the hold of that property longer term, off into the future. Mm -hmm. So if you want to use that character or franchise, you have to go and talk to that person and get, get an agreement. So, you know, some of these people are easygoing and they want you to use their property. And some of these people are very exacting because they've spent a lot of time and effort making a perfect game. And they want to make sure you are respectful to that IP. And mm -hmm. you, you basically replicate it as closely as possible. So 
it was always an interesting thing at the start of a project to fly out and go, hello, we're from Sumo Distal. We want to make this game. We want to use your character in this game or we want to use levels from your game and our game. Can we sit down and have a conversation? And it was an awkward, you know, you, you go into those meetings kind of going like, I really, really, really want to get this character. I really want to get this <laughs> level. And literally do a bit of a sales pitch, tell them what you wanted to do, show them some concept artwork and get them on board. Um, and it, it was fascinating now. So at the start, some people were a little bit stand up. He said, who are you? You, you? We don't know you. You've never worked with this kind of thing. We've got no yeah. time for you. And as we went through tennis to racing to transformed, those opinions changing. And actually them coming to us going, oh, we've got this. Would you like us to use it? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know. Sometimes it would like, make sense in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes it wouldn't. So, you know, I actually felt bad about turning down things like Sega Race TV. Would you like to use it? Well, it's not really fitting in with a transform theme. How's that going to work? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, they did uh, the tune game. We actually sat and played the the work in progress of that when we went across to AM2. And they went, do you want to use it? I'm like going, it's sort of not what we need. I want to use Outrun. I'm like, why do you want to use Outrun? It's ancient. I'm like, because it's more fitting with the... So it was great. Um, honestly, just one of those chances to meet people who are your heroes. And again, mm-hmm. think of that kid in the game shop playing sonic and i'm sat there with sonic team going this is weird this is proper <laughs> weird so you know it's it's always been great that those opportunities came and they were so mm-hmm. willing to embrace us but it was always a collaboration it, mm-hmm. you know everything mm-hmm. we concept artwork to pictures to early prototypes to white boxes to design documents they check it they make sure they're happy with it they give you feedback all the way through and that's the way it should be you know if you're going to try and recreate something or bring something important in you've kind of got to do that research. You've got to do that kind of attention to detail. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> so and many I, and I think in the, in the, the all-stars, <laughs> the all-stars games, that attention to detail shows. Um, and people, people get like the, the little nods and little Easter eggs and the little well, inside jokes. So that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> and it became, so it became kind of mad because, We'd done it for tennis and we wanted to up the game for racing. And then we really mm-hmm. wanted to up the game for transform. We're going to go, we're going to, we're going to do something this time. We're going to go and knock it out of the park. And it was like, we were trying to one up ourselves. Even the achievement names were like references yes. to Sega yes, yes. <laughs> We're sneaking like characters into the backgrounds of checks. You know, we got Ristar snuck into the death egg because it was just funny and then when we did obviously when we brought that track back for transform because we did from racing to transform they were like mm-hmm. we'll make Ristar the flagman because knights is now going to be driving so we've got knights as the driver then don't let's not talk about knights uh, <laughs> what are we going to do to replace Ristar? and i was trying to convince andy who was the, the art lead we've got to put vectorman in there the number of times people talk about vectorman is like but it's just a just a pile of balls. They're not going to get it. We, mm-hmm. we should. I, I, I didn't get it in the end for reasons, but it was always like, like, how can we sneak some more in? How can we do it in a way that people don't expect? <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I remember the, the transform day, the, the hype before transformed and how open to the community you were as well at the time. <laughs> it was so and you, you shared, you shared information and people obviously requested everything they wanted. Was there a point uh, during development that you felt, or any anyone in the team felt that like we shouldn't have done this? We should have just kept most of this in secret. And uh, oh, people are requesting things we can do. This is too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the only thing I ever regretted doing was that poll on the Sega forums to go, which character would you think we should put in? If I could put another character, which because that just got way out of hand. Uh, but I, to be honest. It, 
again, it, it ties into the think of the player ethos. So mm-hmm. on tennis, we didn't really talk a lot to the community, but we got a lot of feedback after the game came out. And we thought, mm-hmm. well, these guys are the people who buy the games. If we can involve them in some way to, you know, see what ideas they've got, what did they like, what didn't they like, what would they like to see? Can we find a way to gather them? Because as far as we're concerned, we were just trying to get more content in and try and define it. And for racing, I picked up all the gaming forums and I just went on the occasion, just asked them asked them questions, give them ideas, you know, like what what would you like to see if we did a sequel to tennis? If it was, let's say it was a racing game, what would you like to see? Uh, and it was really beneficial because you felt like you were talking directly to the audience who were buying your game. You know, these were the mm-hmm. people who were materially interested in what you're doing. You did a bad job. This version didn't have online. Should have had online. All right, fine. We'll do that. We'll fix that. You know, this character should have been in and everybody's got a favorite character they want, which is sort of fascinating in itself. There's, there's an entire video on that. I'm sure you can make. So we engaged with it and I thought it helped us to make a better game. Now, Sega kind of tolerated it. They they saw it was interesting because we got a connection with the community and they didn't discourage it, but they were like, why are you doing that? And it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's kind of useful. It's interesting. It's useful for us. And on Transform, we kind of stepped it up again. And I think what was kind of interesting was it almost served as like a development blog in a way. It's the kind of thing you actually see now from developers or marketing teams. They try to sure. be a bit more open to the community and pull yeah, in. Yeah, for but sure. Again, it was... Not, we're not it's fairly new at the time. It was yeah. just, it was just, it was nice every so often to have a chat with the community. We talked to them racing, tell them a little about, about transformed, and then as we knew the big marketing beats were coming, so there's gonna be like a new track revealed or the character revealed. We'd actually, you know, hype it up a little bit, go, "Oh, you won't wait until you see this thing," and then go and enjoy the reaction and be part of it. So, you know, did you like it? Would you change it? You know, and it, it used mm-hmm. that to to do it. Now. We found it really valuable. Amusingly, some of the dev teams said it was really useful because they read that to find out what was going on in the development of the game. So it was almost like a useful resource for the team working on the game as well. Um, and it's something I kind of miss. The, the Sega kind of let us do it as long as we never revealed anything which was going to be part of their marketing strategy. You know, they were okay. going to announce a character. Don't reveal stuff which hasn't been publicly announced. But once it's out there, feel free to engage with the audience and discuss it. So we kind of did. And I, and I do actually miss it. I miss talking to that community because it was like a moment everyone could share. You know, you've watched a, a new episode of The Mandalorian, let's say something like that. <laughs> and everyone's really excited after wants to discuss it. It felt like that. I and mean, you were looking at it almost as a fan rather than the person making it. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of bizarre. So I, I loved it. I, I think I'd like to do it again. The game I'm working on now, I can't do it because of the secrecy around it. There's a lot of secrecy, so you can't really do it. And I miss it. And that's mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of mad. So, you know, again, that's why I enjoy doing these kind of things because it's just a chance to to kind of recapture some of the fun. <laughs> Excellent. And I, actually, I, I was kind of surprised when you said at the beginning that you were... Uh, you grew up with Nintendo mostly mm-hmm. uh, because I, I watching those like those shared reactions to that those moments to of announcements and whatnot. I felt like you were like a major Sega fan since you're since you were born or something like that because <laughs> that's what what we got on this and what was that mm-hmm. you guys were big fans of. The work oh, that, and, and we that are. we're so, building so, upon. So, so don't think I'm not, because I, I was brought yeah, up yeah, yeah. Nintendo, because that's, that's what my dad bought. Mm-hmm, he bought a mm-hmm. NES, and then he bought a SNES, and then course, I didn't get a Mega Drive, because it's like, you've got one, you're not having another one. 
but that love was always there from mm-hmm. the arcade stuff. So I bought the Spectrum version of Outrun, and let me tell you, that is not an accurate conversion. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you if you increase the processor speed, fake by three times, it's actually all right. But it was a disappointment. So I've always had that. Should have, should have gone with the C64 one that oh, has like the the, the cassette tape. With the, the soundtrack uh, that at least had the right it's worth for that for that yeah. <laughs> it's also yeah. a benefit so it's kind of fascinating so so we were and I, and I think again this is a this is a sumo thing whenever we make something no matter what it is mm-hmm. we kind of invest ourselves in it so whether it's outrun or tennis or it's the transform stuff or you look at track and field again i think that how style i'm going to say that those guys who worked on that game lived and breathed Konami and understood what was important to Konami. The fact you've got like pyramid head in that game as a character, what genius! I just love that, and it was that madness. So whenever we were working on a game, we were just so involved in the the IP. You know, we were talking with the people who made those games. We became experts on it as a side effect to that. And again, it's authentic because we loved it. We loved doing it. And when you're talking to everybody else. I think that enthusiasm carries and it is infectious. It gets everybody going. Again, as a leader of a team, as you sit down and you're the producer, you want to get that enthusiasm going. Like, do you know what? This is going to be great. We're going to do this. This, In fact, look, look, we've just fixed. Look what this does now. And that that helps propel people along. And I think mm-hmm. it propelled the community. And one of the side effects, and I, and I think this is fascinating, is a lot of that community then became like our voice they went and told everybody else look what these guys make look at the excitement and then the infection spread <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that's how it came across because only that, that i think that's how we are it's mm-hmm. we just get so involved in it you know it doesn't matter what ip it is give us give it give us anything we'll make a game out of it and we'll live and breathe it um we're great at that that's great well, anyway. <laughs> yeah excellent that's great okay by the way so you you mentioned uh tennis right Tennis was a natural Sega transition. Tennis. Yep. Superstars tennis, I think, because you worked in virtual tennis, so it was natural uh, in a way. Maybe well, it was. It was. So it, it was a case of. So how it started out was make vir- tech virtual tennis, put the Sonic characters in it, put mm. some other Sega IPs in it. Done. Ship it. But of course, because we can't help ourselves, Trav at the time, the lead designer, uh, this is Travis Ryan wanted some mini-games. Well, we've virtually tested the mini-games. So you've got the ones with the fruit rolling down the thing. Let's do some, and we'll base them on other Sega IPs. So we'll bring some other things. So Virtua Cop is a good example. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't make a tennis mini-game out of Virtua Cop. You're moving a cursor around the screen and shooting balls of things. We've just basically made Virtua Cop <laughs> in a tennis game. And so I think what, what resonated is that that side of it, which was never really meant to be as developed as it was actually kind of caught on and became again like the the kind of eventually career mods we had in that run mm-hmm. was a thing which we started developing became a core premise of both tennis and then racing and transformed as a side effect it was like well we need some kind of mission mode because that's how you get some longevity so you can go back and replay things rather than just racing racing around and around in circles and they say with tennis we need something to do which is just not tennis just to break it up a bit um so yeah so yeah it got mad uh i can't even remember all the <laughs> mini games but if we could find a a, a tenuous link it's like what if we had zombies on the on the pitch and we could call it house of the dead yep let's do that okay (laughs) (laughs) awesome so how do you go from a tennis game to a racing game obviously sega probably wanted to do a racing game but 
that's not that's not a, a, a quite a such a natural transition from Virtua Tennis to Sega Superstar. That is okay, but now yeah, yeah, yeah. racing. Well, but, so the original Star Racing was kind of weird because we'd set out. Sega had come to us and said, "We've well, done a test game. Why not do a racing game? You're a racing game specialist. If you've ported Outrun, you've done Tokken and all the rest of it." So we're like, oh, yeah. "Okay." But the interesting thing was, we we converted a lot of racing games. We never actually made one. And the start of racing was kind of fascinating because, again, this is Trav, Trav being Trav. We didn't start out to have everybody in cars or bikes. We actually wanted to have Sonic on foot with our okay. Jet Set Radio characters skating. We would have some characters in cars if it made sense. You know, if it was, let's say we brought in the virtual fighter guys who could drive a Ferrari, okay, that means we can put them in. And everybody had a different mode of transport and we, we built a prototype and it was horrible. <laughs> um, it was awful because the problem was of course if you're on foot and you get hit by a car it's got to do something you can't you've got to get knocked off of course but the cars were then bullying the way around the track well that's no fun for anybody so we're like okay well that doesn't work the characters who could fly because we had tails and we put them in the biplane from sonic 2 ignored the racetrack and just flew around the start line. They didn't bother following the course, and we're going like, well, that's not good or work, is it? How are we going to do that? <laughs> you can see how we, we, we that idea stuck with us, because that's kind of how Transformed happened. We went, uh-huh. we'll go back to that plane thing and solve that problem. And so one day we just went, ah, oh, this ain't working. Why don't we put them all in cars? Because when we got Amy Rose in the car, she was in like a Volkswagen Beetle. It wasn't the car you see in the final game. It was a mm-hmm. different, different thing. And we put that car in, and then... One night, one of the guys made the car drift, very much like Outrun. And we took one look at it and went, it's been staring us in the face. What we should do is, what we do with Virtual Tennis, we'll make All-Star Racing. It's basically Outrun, but with Sonic characters, because we know how to make Outrun. Solved. And that (laughs) became the game overnight. And then what we tried desperately to do is we wanted to make a racing game, but we didn't. We were worried about comparisons with the other racing game out there with all the characters in it. Is it Mario Kart? It's a little known. Never heard of it. We don't have a lot to do with it. But we wanted to try and avoid becoming like compared to that because this is how I say it. Mario Kart's not really a racing game. It's more of a weapons game. It's more, you know, it's all about how the items interact. It's paper, scissors, stone. The racing is there. It's an activity, but it's not primary. What we wanted to do was make a racing game and try and avoid the weaponry. But we kept having somebody tap us on the bike at Sega Europe saying, put weapons in it like Mario Kart. Put weapons in it like Mario Kart. It'd be great. Put weapons in it. We're going like, but we don't want to be like Mario Kart. We want to do... We've got these wonderful mm-hmm. Sega characters in these Sega locations. We think that's enough. We don't need it. And so we were pushed to try and do all kinds of things. So we, we had the cars, the trikes, and all the rest of it. We had a thing called the Weapon Roulette, which was like a, a fruit machine which popped down at the top of the screen. Yep. And that would do something where it would change the race up. So it would either propel the person in last place to first, so it was a nice way you could do to balance the game out, or it caused a thunderstorm, so the track got really slipping, all the cars were slipping around. And it, of course, gave you some weapons as part of those. And we, we eventually went, you know what, the weapon stuff's just too good, isn't it? We're going to have to <laughs> get rid of this because it's a bit random. Um but then we went, okay, but we've got the problem we've got is we've still got this issue of balance because we want it to be a racing game foremost. How do you help somebody at the back get to the front? Now, Mario Kart is dead simple. They have a weapon which is designed to dis- stop the person at the front and the players at the back mm-hmm. go through, and it's and it's rubber-banded in a way. You watch the weapons. If you're at the back, you get good items in Mario Kart. Yes. If you're at the front, you get yes. terrible items in Mario that's Kart. It, that's true. And we hated that. It's like, well, it's not really fair. We want it to be more about the skill of racing. So that's where the all-star moves came from. 
because we got it in tennis and we went, well, hang on a minute. What if we let you charge a meter and we could top it up if you're just in last place? And at least it gives you a chance to press a button and have a boost for the race to try and help you. And we can use the length of time you're in that move to decide how much help we want to give you. We can base that on position, how the race has gone, you know, mm-hmm. a bunch of telemetry. Um, and that became it. And then he'd accidentally made the game, and that's the reality of it. We we kind of found his way to it rather than intentionally set off to do it. Uh, why did we learn a lot of lessons on that game? <laughs> <laughs> we, every game you make, you make some mistakes, and you go, we're never doing that again. <laughs> and they were like, on that one, we went, well, if we did three tracks per location, let, let's never do that again. Let's do one track per location. <laughs> okay, okay. This week's episode of the Sega Lounge is brought to you by Car Boat Plane Vehicles. Look, is it a car? Is it a boat? Is it a plane? Yes! When you need to go to work, shopping or just race an anthropomorphic animal, Car Boat Plane Vehicles are your best pick. Don't settle for less than a Car Boat Plane. Whether you're flying through the clouds near a sanctuary in the sky or having a race for the ages, go to one of our dealerships and ask one of our representatives for the car boat plane that's right for you. Car boat plane vehicles, the right choice for everyone, including Danica's ass. And then obviously transformed was a, a whole different beast, right? Well, well, again, so we, we'd, we'd finished racing and it was pretty much determined that that had gone really well, mm-hmm. but we had a bunch of ideas left over. So the plane thing was still bugging us. Um, and the transform thing didn't actually surface in sumo necessarily. It was a thing we were trying to figure out. Are we ever going to fix that? Because I'd like to fix that problem. But Simon Woodruff down at Sega was their kind of creative director. At this point, Craig Duncan was the development director in charge of the team. So he's my boss. Uh, and Simon and Craig have got like an interesting history. They've worked together at different firms. And Simon had tied this guy like, well, that racing game, mate. What if I had transforming vehicles? And that was it. And we just went, oh, that'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> and so we went off to solve it. And we, we spent about, ooh, about six months to just under the year trying to get that working. We made one track to try and solve it. Because again, the, the, we knew the problem was going to be if you change the route and everybody doesn't change the route at the same time, people would just go off and do their own thing. So we went, right, okay, so we'll, we'll have a dry track, then we'll flood it somehow, so everyone's now in boats, and then we'll blow it up in some way so everyone's okay. forced to fly. And the, the the track stuff, the racing stuff was dead simple because it was mostly stolen from the original racing game. The water stuff was complicated. <laughs> so we, we built this track and it was effectively a, a round a caldera, which is a, a flooded volcano. Hmm. We blow the volcano up so that floods water down the track. So you're racing downhill in water. And the amount of time to get the physics for that right and make it feel good was astonishing. Because you either get pushed along and you've got no control and it's really hairy, or you end up not moving at the same rate of the water and it looks weird. You can't you can't sort it out in your head. So we actually learned that going down in water, we needed to avoid that a little bit or at least control the the depth of the angles. Flooding the bomber track, 
was fine. As soon as you're on level water, you're racing in water, you can go at a sensible speed. And interestingly, racing uphill through water, because it slowed the cars down, gave you a lot more time to control it, quite technical. And we went, oh, there's an interesting idea. We might find a use for that. But the planes were the nightmare um, <laughs> because you've got to find some way of keeping you to a course. Yes. So the first thing we did is we go, right, first of all, we'll, we, we, we've got to force when you transform. We can't give you the choice. We might find a way. So we make you go for a ring to transform. And then we did a bunch of rings in the air. We went, right, you have to fly through these rings. But it was boring. It, it wasn't a lot of fun. But when we made them boost rings and it gave you an advantage, that was interesting. But again, all people did was took off. And then immediately turn right and fly to the finish line. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. So, <laughs> so we, we, we spent ages trying to figure this out. And in the end, we realized that hemming them in would probably be the answer. So could we put them in a canyon? So you can't get out the top. You're in it. You're forced to follow it. We can have shortcuts and things and that, and that kind of worked. And so the first track, we basically went, rip it up, throw it away. It's no good. It doesn't solve the problems the game needs. And we started on the uh, the Panzer Dragoon track. Okay. Look at that track. Go on, go and play the game and look at that track, and you'll see it starts off. It's dry, and then we blow up a bridge, and then you're on the water, and there's bits of water and dips and jumps, and that's because we learned how to make good water fun. And then literally it blows the road up and forces you into the air, and then you can't get out. That was us learning how to make that game. Okay. <laughs> so that's like, <laughs> is fundamentally how we learned to make that game. And then the other stuff kind of came secondary. So once you've got that, you can start to play with it. You can put transform zones to give you a choice of which route you want to go. So if you go that way, you're forced into being a boat, but that might be quicker or it might have a power up. And then we started playing around with like, well, okay, so what are the interesting roles to make the race fun? You don't want to be forced between power ups and transformations. You might want to give people a choice between a boost pad or a power up. Give them interesting choices. And, mm -hmm. and I won't tell the credit for this, that by no means this is a Garth Wilson and the Joe Neat thing. Um, we realized once we got the right idea of that, we had to go around the tracks and start adding runoff areas and modifying the tracks. So quite late in the game, we got the tracks built, but they weren't funny enough. So we had a thing called Project Runoff, I think it was called at the time, which was to go back over the tracks and change them in subtle ways to make them more interesting, to just add more replayability. And again, it, it, organic to a nature, but we'd learned so much from the previous games that this was a lot easier once we'd solved various problems. The boats didn't drift at the start, but it was weird because the cars did. Once okay. we got the boats drifting, we went, hey, it's weird the planes can't drift though, isn't it? And why would you drift the planes? And that's when the charge and the boost thing came out mm -hmm. from every, again, the original game. Well, we just, that was great. Why don't we just reuse it? And so you end up reusing the good ideas, trying to get rid of the bad ideas, and then just learning from there. So it, again, literally, go and play Panzer Dragoon. Once you've done this, go and play it. You'll see yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Right. You can see it from my way. You went, oh, I get how they made yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because uh, the game is... 11 years old now. It is. Right? Ancient, yes, <laughs> 11 years old, uh, which is mad for me. I I, I wouldn't, it's, I'm old, I'm getting old. But uh, that aside, I was talking to uh, one of my previous guests, actually, who works at SEG of Europe uh, a, few, a couple of months ago or so. And we were just discussing during the interview how All Stars Racing Transform is probably the ultimate uh, fun racing game like, because uh, it, it still very much hold, holds up today. It's still very much replayable, fun. 
you can pick it up. Uh, I was actually mentioning how I was, I had been playing the game on my Steam Deck. <laughs> actually, <laughs> I, I did exactly we, that. The first thing I downloaded was just one went, oh, no, it runs. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing still. So uh, it's, it's interesting how it still holds up. It's still, I can't see, uh, obviously we are going to talk about uh, All-Stars Racing Transformed 2 or 2024 or whatever the, later on during our interview, <laughs> but but uh, in all seriousness, I it's it's uh, the almost perfect team. I know it's not perfect. Yeah. I know it, uh, you from your guys' perspective as well is not perfect, but uh, it's a very fun game, and that's the most important thing. I, I maintain it's the best game I've worked on, which is released. There you okay. go. <laughs> okay, it's still my and it's still my favorite project. I think we had a lot. You can see the fun we had making it. Mm-hmm. It's mad. It carried through into the game. The there were times where it was difficult. There were times we had problems we had to solve. There were times where there were political things where we were just oh, arguing about silly things. You know, there was a there was a big drive to try and explain why people were racing. It needs a story, and it's like it doesn't need a story. It's <laughs> it's enough in what it is. You can have the fun. We don't have to explain it. You know, I think I wasn't involved with Team Sonic Racing. Please don't get me wrong. I think mm-hmm. that's a perfectly fine game. But I can see how the story got added to that. And I'm not sure it was additive. Like you can see that somebody wanted to push that aspect. And I don't think it, it necessarily improved the game, I'm going to say. I'm being mean now. I'm going to get into trouble saying that. <laughs> I have no affiliation with anyone. And I can say Transformed is a better game. Thank you. But okay. Uh... So, kind of comes through. So, so again, I think that's one of the things. We, we would love to... We tried to work out how to one-up it, and I think we reached mm-hmm. the point, it's like, actually, there's not a lot we could add to We could go back and add more tracks and more characters, and I think, to be honest, it's a bit of a missed opportunity we didn't do that. We should have done, like, a transformed, not two, but 2018 or whatever it is, and then just go and add more tracks, more characters, and I think people would be happy. The only thing I look back and I think we should have changed is the difficulty. I think the difficulty in places was a little bit too hard. Um, that's hard to get right. These yeah. days, you will probably patch it a little bit to simplify it down. Mm-hmm. But equally, you know, the look on people's faces when they finally unlock ages, oh, it's a special moment, that. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. Especially when people get the game on various platforms and yes. they have to go through all of it again. It's like, oh, not again. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, but okay. Let's not talk about me anymore. Anyway, <laughs> St- <laughs> Steve, You've been waiting for this, right? <laughs> it's it time. Questions. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Um, it's time for the Sega Lounge Challenge. Now that you know our guests, it's time to put them to the test. It's the moment we've waited for and the moment they dread. Welcome to your doom. I mean, welcome to the Sega Lounge Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. Okay. The Sega Launch Challenge is something different every week. Uh, it doesn't necessarily involve trivia questions, although this week it also <laughs> does, but okay. not only, not only trivia questions. So I have, um, and because you were so uh, terrified of trivia, I called this the quiz of ages. <laughs> the quiz of so, ages. So before you continue, can I can I just state that I 
beat Ken Barlow <laughs> okay. at the trivia contest at Sonic Boom when Transform was announced. And I, it's to date the best filthy I own. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, you've got some way to I mean, try your best, see if you can top that. <laughs> you, you, need, you need the Sega Lounge seal of approval. I do. So that, in order yeah. to get the seal of approval, Steve, you have to go through 10 rounds of this quiz. Oh Some God. are trivia questions. Some are songs that you need to identify. Okay. I think oh, you are dear. up for this task. I, I will have a go, but this is what's good. <laughs> this, this is where I go. I played a lot more Nintendo than Sega originally. <laughs> okay. And this is where I go. These are all games you have worked on. Oh, no. So, no excuse. (laughs) No excuse. Okay. Okay. So, some of these are are multiple choice questions, so maybe that will make it a little bit easier. Ten. Ten rounds. Can we get, like, I think at least six correct answers, right? Now you're just piling the pressure on. (laughs) No, no. It's easy. It's easy. I think think you'll do great. So, question number one in this quiz of ages. Um... In Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing, are you familiar with this little game? I remember that game, yes. Okay, that's good, that's good. What's the name of Ryo Hazuki's All-Star Move? And this is our mandatory Shenmue question of the week. Oh, damn it. So, I have options if you need them. (laughs) So, if if I remember right, this is where the (laughs) forklift comes into play. So, let's go... I'm going to give you the options then. So Go on. <laughs> option A, working man. Option B, forklift racer. Option C, mad biker. I'm going to say it's working man because I'm sure it was the forklift is the thing that you get. And I'm fairly sure it was a reference to the original game because that was the job. Please tell me I'm right. In the original game, he also raced in a forklift if, if you were real f no 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 in the original shenmue game so he worked oh you do race you using do race. you do yeah you yeah do before before the the oh, work day began begins so i don't know i'm just telling you something i'm giving you information and you can do with it what you will so, so, so you're saying it well really when i think about it you should probably be forklift racer shouldn't it yeah I'm not saying that. I'm, <laughs> I'm asking you what you think, A, B, or C. Working man, forklift racer, or uh, mad biker? It's not going to be mad biker, because I know that. So I'm going to go. i have to go with forklift racer now. Now you've put down so, Sometimes your original guess is also good, so I don't know. Maybe. Oh, you horrible swine. No, I'm going to stick with working <laughs> man, because I'm sure it was something along those lines, and I can't remember why we did that. No, I'm okay. going to go with A. Whether I'm right or wrong, we'll see. Final answer. Final answer. Working man. Working man. And I'm going to be wrong, and I don't care. <laughs> Steve Lysett. Your answer is... Ah. Uh, correct! You horrible man. <laughs> yes! Welcome to the Sega Lodge Challenge. This this is brutal. <laughs> Okay, one, one point. One I'm literally point. sweating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. <clears throat> okay, this is half the challenge. Half the challenge is dealing with me. Okay. You do know okay. I made that game like over 15 years ago. So <laughs> <laughs> Round two. 
is a music round. So what I have here is uh, a 10 second long clip okay. of a song from a game you've worked on. And all you need to do is to identify the game. The game. Okay. Okay. So should be fairly easy for one point. Ready? No, it's a, I reckon the original that one too. It's Life is a Bore. Could be. Could, could be. I'm, I'm, I'm not what here to it? answer any questions. I'm just here. Right, is that your final answer? Is that your answer? I know. I'm going to agree with that one too. I'm sticking with that one too. You're sticking with Outrun 2. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're sure. The Linux of in my head. Yes, it is, <laughs> is it Outrun 2. It is. I, I, I do think it's Night Flight, though. It is Night Flight, sorry. No, you're right. It's Night Flight. It is. It is. Yes. So, very good job. One point as well. Very good. <laughs> two for two. That's amazing. That's amazing, okay. Steve. Okay, number three, round three, question. Multiple choice question again. Okay. So, which of the following racetracks is not included in the Dragon Cup in Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed? Okay. Okay, so option A. So, the one that is not, two of them are in this, two, and one of them is not, so... Option A, Ocean View, the Sonic Heroes course. Okay. Option B, Temple Trouble, the Super Monkey Ball course. Option C, Dragon Canyon, the Panzer Dragoon uh, course. That's that's pretty much is in the Dragon Cup because it's named after that course. So that helps me out. Oh, good grief, Dragon. So they were the early ones in the start of the game because we tried to make it simpler. Ocean View, I'm fairly certain this is the first course in the game, so it will be, would it be in there? Temple Trouble is one of the later ones, because that's quite hard. So I'm going to say it's Temple View. I'm going with B. But I'm now so trying to remember B. what was the first set of courses. I'm sure we ended with Panzer Dragoon, because that was the easy tracks. Yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to with Temple View. Temple Trouble, then. So Temple Trouble, sorry. The Super Monkey Ball one. Yes. F final answer, yes. You're awful at this. This is like being on, oh, do you want to be a millionaire? <laughs> Honestly, the, the pressure I am feeling right now, I'm going to stick with B, yes. I'm going to stay with Temple okay. Trouble. Of course. And that's what you should do. You should stick to your original answer all, all at all times, unless it's wrong. Oh, God. But it isn't. Well done. Yes, yes. Temple Trouble. Okay. So now I know why Dragon Canyon was in the original uh, set of, of the, in the original cup, the first cup, because it's the original, yeah, the original the, course, if, right? If, the original track. The interesting thing, again, if you look at Transform, it, it goes from easy to hard, mm -hmm. and the tracks get darker and more challenging as you go. So the bright, easy, colorful tracks at the start of the game are the dark, forbidding, golden axe tracks at the very end. So, yeah. Makes sense. Never thought about that. Yeah. Good, good, okay. good job. Okay. So it's time for round four which is another song. Okay. Okay, let's take a listen to the clip.
So that is, that's Richard Jakes. So that I think is the main theme from Transform, but I'm just questioning in my head whether that's right, because it could be the main theme from All Star Racing, because we use similar motifs. I'm going to go with Transform for that one. Stop it! <laughs> just give I'm me an answer. <laughs> I'm not saying a thing. Why Transform, by the way? I think it's Why did you go with that? It's, it's from racing to transform. We we took some classic Sega tracks and we we bumped the tempo up. So if you listen to the transform music, they've got quite a high tempo in the background, and that's to make them feel more racy. And that's definitely up tempo. So that's why I'm thinking it's transformed. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, but you're not. Oh, that's God. it. This is the main menu. The main menu of I thought, yeah, because yes. there's even variations on that, depending if you go into the options and stuff. Exactly, the, exactly. Uh, yeah, very good. But you know, I miss working with Richard Jakes. I'm going to work with Richard Jakes again. I think that's what I'm going to do. Number five. We're almost halfway there. You're, you're crushing this, Steve. Four for four. I'm, I'm some... going to miss the rest of them. Because you've said six. If I get you know, if I get the rest wrong, I'm done for, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number five is one of the... Potentially harder ones, but because we have no options for this one. Oh no! Okay. Maybe you don't need that. Need them. What's the name of the PC only character in Transformed that is based on Company of Heroes two? <laughs> okay. So this this one I do know. I was wondering which one because you PC on. I'm going all right. So that is General Winter. Um, and that was a name given to us by the Creative Assembly. Slightly controversial at times, that. <laughs> okay. What else should I say? Controversial? Yeah, really? Because of uh, the Russia it, thing? or well, oh. well, especially probably in modern days. But no, it, I, we honestly thought what we try to do is the same as we do with any game. Uh, we will take something from their game and represent it in our game, and we'll try and do it authentically. Uh, and one of the things we did is we put the Soviet star on the side of the tank. So there's a tank is one of the vehicles. Uh, oh, and that yeah. caused some complaints in the end. Okay. We had to take it out. So we okay. were quite surprised by that. It was okay. not meant in malice. It was certainly not a political statement. Trust me. If you know me, I am not political. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I am these days, but I certainly wasn't then. Okay. <laughs> okay. Round six. Steve, another song. Ready? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that sounds like the arcade music from Superstars Tennis. It's Does got it the not? Tim Fallin kind of thing. Again, it's Richard Jake's right there, I believe. Could be. Could, could, be. <laughs> could very well be. It's one of the games you've worked on. So Do you know, if be. anybody asks me about this podcast, I am not going to recommend it, especially <laughs> the trivia bit. <laughs> it's great. I, I've been invited on the Sega Lounge. No! Don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. So, your answer? Superstar Stennis? I think it's Superstar Stennis, yeah. Indeed, indeed wow. it is. It's Planet Superstars. It's like the 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 arcade mode, it's the arcade, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very good job. Okay, uh, so that's six points. So but... okay, so now so I can stop now. 
But can, can we go for the perfect <laughs> score? Because that's, okay. that's unheard of. That's okay. unheard of. Okay, number seven. Another one without uh, multiple choice. Another question. What's the name of the Outrun-themed court in Sega Superstars Tennis? Oh, no. Don't this fall. is probably the hardest one. Now, this is tricky. So, I'm trying to remember if we base it on Palm Beach or Sunshine Beach because the two versions of Outrun, Outrun 2 is Palm Beach, Outrun 2 is that one to SP is Sunshine Beach, and I think we went with Palm Beach. No, God, no, you're asking me. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Palm Beach, and I'm probably wrong because I should have probably gone with Sunshine Beach. Mm -hmm. Okay, so your answer is Palm, Palm Beach. Beach, and your answer is. Steve Blessed from Sumo Digital. Incorrect. <laughs> Incorrect. It well, is. let's get one wrong eventually. <laughs> it was it was Coconut Beach, actually. Oh, because it would have been named after the original Outrun. After the original one. Yes. Yes. Who's an yes. Idiot? yes. But but close enough. Very close. Very close. Okay. You, you had the beach. beach. Beach is right. <laughs> the beach was the, was there. Okay, okay. So final song, Steve. Okay. This is the last one. Let's see if you can identify the game. Wow. Hmm. Nice. I have. Hmm. I would say Superstars Tennis again, but I'm not sure. Or would it be VT? It's not outrun. It's not racing. I'm going to say we say superstars tennis, but I, that one I don't recognise, so I'm not sure where that's from. Okay. Tennis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he says. I got. I got six. <laughs> he says scared. Uh, yeah. No, actually, no. No, no, no. Oh, it's All-Stars Racing. It's Is the it? Sega Shop uh, theme. Sega Miles. So, it, yeah, so it's it's a variation uh, on the, the, the main theme of All-Stars Racing, oh. the, the menu theme. So it's, you can tell how but it's a little bit different. I didn't yeah. have to use the shop. I got all the things. I just pressed the button. And of, course. Go, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go then. I mean, I'm, I'm still on six. I'm, I'm happy. Okay. Yeah, that. still on six. But so, I'm last two, I was last two are questions. Help me up. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait. So nine and good. ten are going to be amazing because I know you know these for sure. Okay. Question nine. An exclusive character to the Wii version of Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing the me character has a unique all-star move as well. Yes. What is it called? I have options if you need them. I'm going to need the options on this one, I think. Really? Of I, course. I, of I course. voiced the me, so I <laughs> oh, did really? the voice of the male me's and the avatars in that game. Oh, that's me, awesome. Me, 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 woo <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> I had a good day doing that. <laughs> okay, so you should know this. Option A, party power. Option uh, B, Parade Power. Option C, Emerald Power. And these are all all-star moves in the they game. They are. They are. 
I'm going to say it's party power because that one you get picked up by the Mies and they run you down the track, if I remember correctly. The parade one, I think, is Samba Amigo and Emerald Power, I think, is probably Shadow the Hedgehog. Could be. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the options. Do you know, right now, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. So the fact you're asking me for something I did a lot longer ago. So I'm going to go with party power. I'm going to go with party that. power. That's your final answer. It's it is for now. Yes. It is for now. It is for now. If it's okay. wrong, then no. <laughs> <laughs> you you misheard me. I said. Hmm. Yes. Um. So, it's not Emerald Power. No. Nope, I believe that's Tails's All Star move. It? I think so. She could be Shadow, but I'm not. I'm not entirely sure right now. Uh, but it's not the Mies uh, All Star move. Okay. Could be party or parade. So I think this was based on the the shop, the plaza thing. It was. So plaza. they're all there like in a parade. So oh, parade. Me. Parade I power was the correct party power <laughs> is the 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 avatar, the Xbox avatar one. Oh, that would make sense. Yes. I did the voices for yes. those two. Okay. That's yeah, what you, I was you, you of, obviously. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. Okay. You must love this. The the look of disappointment <laughs> as you realize that 10 points has just crept out of view and you were hoping for eight now, just as a, as a respectable thing. Six is acceptable. Could he get seven just to be one over the target? I honestly. <laughs> that I'm gonna take the this these bits of, of you talking and I will put them as like narration behind. Could he get seven? Let's Take a listen to the final question. Final question, Steve. For glory, for the Sega Lounge seal of approval. Oh, I think this is easy. What are the three forms? And this is, it had to be the final question. What are the three forms of unlockable character ages in Sonic uh -oh. and All-Stars Racing Transformed? So so this one I know <laughs> because I was, I was like, I, so to explain this one, We've been asked many, many times to try and get in the Outrun card or the Afterburner Jet or whatever it turns out to be. And I was desperately trying to think of the solution of this for ages and ages and ages. Hence, ages. Huh. And we struggled with it. The car is easy. It's the Daytona car. It's the Hornet from Daytona USA. Uh, the original game, in case you're interested, not Daytona 2. Uh, the Jet is, of course, from Afterburner. And is a no-brainer because, again, it's part of my holy trilogy. You've got Outrun, you've got Afterburner, you've got Space Harrier. The boat, let me tell you, took us years to figure that one out. <laughs> so originally, it was going to be you were dragged along by the giant bass from Get Bass, but didn't oh. work. Nobody got okay. it. And then we went, maybe it could be the jet ski. We should have the jet ski from Wave Runner. And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, but it's a bit obscure, that. And then one day, uh, Sean Jean, our concept artist, he drew a Dreamcast controller as a boat. And I looked at it and I went, that, that is it. <laughs> that is finally it. We've solved this. Because he, he was driving Sean mad because I kept saying to him, no, no, I need a boat. Work out. Go and make me a boat. He's like, and he, and he dig through those Sega archives looking for stuff. And that was his crowning moment. He came to me and he just went, what about this? And like, he looked at me and Andy Ritson and I, I looked at Andy and I went, <gasps> light shone down through the ceiling. <laughs> the music played. It's like, you've done it. You've cracked it. So, the Hornet from Daytona USA, the 
not F-14 from Afterburner, because I used to think we like we did license it originally, amusingly. And then, of course, it's the Dreamcast controller as the boat. And those are the three ones <laughs> of course, of oh, course. Good job. At the Good last job. Minute. <laughs> uh, obviously, obviously. And I, I, I was going to ask why the Dreamcast controller, but that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, because me another boat. Exactly, exactly. I, I I didn't have another option either, but yeah, but that's that makes oh, that makes a lot of sense. We, we even thought having the character run on top of the fishing controller for a bit might be quite <laughs> funny. He's like, oh maybe, but that, it was so perfect. Sean, honestly, a genius. Well done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense now. Yeah. Okay, so Steve, seven points. I think that's amazing. That's a very that's, good score yeah, for this quiz of ages. <laughs> Yes, Thank it's very you. good. You get the official Sega Launch seal of approval, which I will send to you uh, oh, afterwards. Yes, Thank yes. You. Okay. You my trophy shelf next to the trivia contest. Exactly. Take that, exactly. Ken Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Steve, thank you very much for being such a good sport and indulging me in this little game. Um, so... We've we've talked about your your career, your many of your games. We we would have a lot more to talk about, but obviously, I don't want to keep you for that much longer. Um, you've mentioned something that um, I think we all can understand that would happen. It's the difficulty in in getting some characters in in uh, some of these games. <laughs> all obviously also. <sighs> The, the 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 process of choosing what works what doesn't work right was there yes. and not being not wanting to be controversial but was there any character that you really 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 fought for and couldn't get in the end in transform oh, so for example it, broadly so picking the characters is hard because you've you've got a You've got to do a number of things. So you've mm -hmm. got to make sure you've got characters that anybody can pick and like. And those people might not be Sega fans. So you've got to make sure you've got a good mix of male characters, female characters, colorful characters, serious characters. Something that anybody can find. <laughs> Danny Kapatrick, uh, which, was, <laughs> which was an interesting choice that Sega made. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you should have seen the, the amount of interest that generated having Danny Kapatrick in there. And also the amount of hate that I got from suggesting that was a good idea. So that was good fun. <clears throat> uh, so we, we try and find something for everybody and we try and make sure we try and do a, a selection of Sega stuff from old classic things mm -hmm. or upper upper, obviously from Fantasy Zone to, to modern where we can. Um, I look back and I think we've done a relatively good job. Some of the challenges were translating the character into 3D. Mm -hmm. You might see that character in the classic game, but it's never been made into 3D. So let me, let me give you one which was was always on our list, but was problematic, was Wonder Boy. We, we wanted to put Wonder Boy in because there's a definite connection with Sega there. Uh, you've got, you know, the later games were definitely done by Sega. But the fascinating thing with Wonder Boy is nobody's quite sure who Wonder Boy belongs to. So is it Westone? Is it Sega? Hudson did versions of Wonder Boy with their own character, Master Higgins and all the rest of it. And we did a lot of research trying to get to the bottom of it to understand, you know, could we use Wonder Boy? Would we need to go and get approval from somebody else, not just Sega? Uh, and that kind of put the kibosh on a bit. More recently, um, we were asked a lot to do this, to include the characters from Yakuza. Okay. Uh, you know, you know, you've the obvious ones. You've got Kuyu and you've got uh, Majima and all that. 
And I've played through those games recently and I realise now what a mistake it's been not to put those characters in. We didn't. And one of the reasons for that was we, we tried, and I know you're not going to you're going to laugh when I say this, we tried to be age appropriate at times to make sure we weren't bringing anybody in which could be considered violent or mm-hmm, political mm-hmm. or too sexy. So Bayonetta didn't make the grade on oh, that kind of okay, front as okay. well. Uh, so we tried to make sure, again, we were age appropriate because these games are meant for everybody and we want mm-hmm. everyone to play them, kids, grown-ups, kids and grown-ups at the same time. Uh, and so we had some rules there. But that, that to me is the one I look back at and I go, those Yakuza characters were kind of made for this game. Yes. In the same way that Virtua Fighter characters, okay, I've broken the rules. <laughs> but here they see what I mean. So, you know, those for me are the misses. We mm. always wanted to get the Outrun card in there. And, and we because it was part of us, you know, we're part of that mm-hmm, kind of legacy. Mm-hmm. And I could never find a way to do it. I wanted to do it for ages, but of course the Aaron cars are Ferrari and you have to go and get the license and that's problematic. So so that's why we ended up with a data on the Hornet. So yeah, I like to think we did the best we could. And if you look at the PC version where we got Ryo Hazuki back in, thanks to that horrible poll I did on the Sega site, you can see that we did the closest we could do to get Outrun in there. And after Burnout, of course. Yes, 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 yes. That's true. I would have done yeah. Space Alley for the boat because that's my Holy Trinity, but apparently that didn't make sense. We used no. the hang on yeah. one instead. But he played, he played uh, Space Harrier in the game as well, in Shenmue. So it yes, he did. Could be, could be. Yeah. Uh, two things. Uh, Outrun Bay is probably, if not the, but one of my favorite tracks in in uh, in Transformed. Really, really love that. The the you know the Outrun bit, the the, the feeling of Outrun there. It's amazing. Uh, and the other thing, I think uh, the creator of Wonder Boy owns the character Ryushi Nishizawa. I do think that's it. That's I, but I'm not sure if. Uh, I, I think, as you said before, especially in, in Japan and in, in like previous decades, different people own different things. Like the assets were owned by Sega, perhaps maybe for one game, but the, oh, then no, the was... character was owned by someone else. And But I do think uh, Ryushi Nishizawa now owns the okay. Well, that's, well, I mean, it, it must have been a solved problem because obviously there's been yeah. a remake of uh, kind of the classic games. Yeah, yeah. And again, and, we uh, wanted uh, to go... Games have been released more recently and he's behind them, uh, so... Yeah. And that's and so that's great to know. Yeah. You know, obviously when now. we work on Transform 2, it's a problem <laughs> I can finally resolve. Uh, but, you know, it's... Yeah. We, we had to give up on as many characters for, you know, either mm-hmm. legal clearance or... You know, we thought it was Sega Classic. So Echo, the Dolphin, for example, we wanted to Echo. God, my God. Might have snuck Echo yes. into the, into the uh, oh, brain's gone there. Firefighting. Burning Rages track. Okay. I think we snuck Echo into the Burning Rages track. Just, yes, just yes, yes. Strictly speaking, not owned by Sega. <laughs> <laughs> Published by Sega. So there's those kind of things. You have to go through all those steps and just whittle it down. Mm. And we, we Every game we did, you know, tennis, racing, transformed, we had a start sheet of 200 characters we wanted to use, and then we mm-hmm. went through the process going, is it going to work? Can we, what will it look like behind? Can we make a vehicle which works? Can we get the legal cleaners? Is it a good mixture of male, female, bright, colorful, serious, you know, whatever characters you wanted to do? Um, we didn't, as many fans probably think, put some names in their bar- bottom through darts at them. There was a lot more thinking to it than that. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously. Okay. Yeah, this is not a question. Uh, it's a statement. You need to release Transformed on 
uh, current gen consoles at least and you know so i'm i'm eagerly waiting for transform 2024 we would, we would absolutely love to do it. Don't so Sega, uh, listening to us right now, obviously. We totally, we totally. But the interesting, so here's the interesting problem, though. It, right now, if you've got a Series X, you can play the original game at 60 frames a second at 4K. What do you add? <laughs> Sorry. Well, uh, maybe, maybe just maybe Wonder Boy, maybe Wonder Boy, and, <laughs> and Majima characters. and Kiryu. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If 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 I think uh, if the game had been released like five years later, perhaps you would have had just it would be mandatory to have the Yakuza characters because they were yes. not as big, especially in the West. The games are not as big as they are now here, but like a few years later. Yeah. Okay. So um, before we go, you've been working on something that you cannot really uh, disclose, oh, right? Love to talk about, but, it, but really you're obviously very passionate uh, about it. Would you like to tell us a little bit about future projects? So, so, projects? so I can't, I, can, I really can't tell you much. But what I can promise you is this: it is much of the team who's worked on the Transform games and other projects. It's the same team which you've worked together now for many, many years. They, I, my best friends i occasionally joke they pay me to spend time with my friends and they they, they kind of do um this team have been working on this game now for almost five years it is in the house style if you like our classic stuff you're gonna love this and that's about as much as i can tell you we're hoping it will get announced probably may to this summer july mm-hmm. august time so keep your eyes open for it when you see it, you will instantly recognize it's something that we've made and you will instantly recognize what I was saying earlier about how we take something, we look after it, we love it, we own it, we present it back. It's going to be a surprise to a lot of people and I look forward to the reactions. Okay, okay, that's great. So something that's to look forward to. That's, yes, yes. <laughs> well done, well done. Steve, we always have one final question which is always the same. Uh, and if you've... Uh, research so much about Sega, you're probably familiar with the concept of blast processing, right? <laughs> so that oh, Sega yes. said that the, especially in the in the US, that the Genesis had blast processing, right? So my question is always, if you could add blast processing, which is obviously a real life thing, obviously, uh, if you could add blast processing to anything in the world, what would it be and why? Ooh, oh, that's great. That's great. So, so here's a funny fact about me. Uh, I'm only just learning to drive. I've had a motorcycle license for many, many years, and I've ridden motorbikes for now over 20 years, but not a car. My first car, Outrun fans, is a Fiat Panda 4x4. <laughs> now, it's only got a little engine. It's a 0.9cc twin there, and I think it could do with a bit more pizzazz. So I would add blast processing to my Fiat Panda 4x4. <laughs> we can make it happen. <laughs> Best answer ever. Yes. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the most ridiculous answer, but there you go. Okay, Steve, thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, hopefully we can we can do this again sometime. Because I, I, I had I just don't want to take up too much of your time, but hopefully. I, I would in the be future. happy to do this again. But maybe yeah. not the trivia quiz. <laughs> not the trivia questions. Okay. I don't know the trivia quiz. Can I beat okay. seven? That's the thing I'm so, interested in. <laughs> let me make a note here. Make it harder. Okay. Oh, yes. Man. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> <Understood>. <laughs> 
Steve, thank you very much. All the best for your current and future projects. Okay, thank, thank you so much for coming on the show. That's been brilliant. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. A big thank you to the legend that is Mr. Steve Lysett for coming on the show. Hands down, one of the nicest and most fun guests I've had on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed our chat and are feeling a sudden urge to replay All-Stars Racing Transformed. I know I am. It's incredible how replayable this game is and how well it holds up almost 11 years after its initial release. By the way, happy 20th anniversary to everyone at Sumo Digital and keep up the good work. Well then, it's time to once more close the doors of the lounge for the week. As per usual, remember to go to our website for more info on each guest or if you just want to catch up on previous episodes. It's all in there. Also, if you enjoy listening to the Sega Lounge, feel free to leave it a positive review either on our website or your podcast app of choice. Thank you very much to those who have recently taken the time to do that. It's much appreciated. Be sure to come back next time for more Sega goodness. Take care of yourselves, have fun, and I'll see you all on the next episode. Bye-bye. The Sega Lounge, hosted by me, KC, and part of Radio Sega's network of live shows and podcasts. Theme song and incidental music by OSC. Find them at opusciencecollective.bandcamp.com. Got any suggestions? Drop me an email to podcast at thesegalounge.com. Find us at The Sega Lounge on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find previous episodes of the show by going to thesegalounge.com and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Mixed on Productions podcast.